Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. As Dan Baker says, I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesco. Hey, Chet, the Sixers, it's do and die. It's the brink of elimination. The Phillies are starting to open up a little first place space, and the Flyers have a complete new coaching staff. And all is quiet for the moment at the Eagles Novacare Center. Yeah, always a lot going on, Bill. Love what the Phillies got from their starting pitchers the last couple of days. Reese Hoskins is looking like an MVP candidate. Rest in peace, David Montgomery. We'll talk more about him later on. Hopefully that Flyers coaching staff can get the team back to the playoffs. We'll see. And speaking of playoffs, Bill, yeah, it's all of a sudden a win or go home for the summer situation for the Sixers. Well, you're right. As you said, we've got a lot to talk about. We've got two new guests tonight. We have Crystal Rich from Sixers Outsiders. He's going to talk about that Raptor series and what's going on. You know, the way it just hasn't gone the way we thought it was going to go, Chet, especially the last two games. We'll certainly talk about that. And uh, you got to talk with Crystal today via tape just a little bit ago, uh, and we knew if if the Sixers had a game, we wouldn't be able to get her live, but she was kind enough to join us uh, just a couple hours ago. And, uh, the, you know, Flyer Sixers executive and co-founder of the Philly's new Museum of Sports, Lou Scheinfeld, will be joining us, and that's going to be great. Yeah, Bill, we love welcoming first-time visitors to our little show, and we do have two great ones tonight, and I'm sure our listeners will enjoy hearing from both of them. I did talk to Crystal, as you mentioned, and I got to tell you, she was terrific some real good insight into the team and a lot of good stuff about ben simmons in particular that i think our listeners are going to enjoy so stick around for that we got a great one for you tonight well let's get it started uh with some sixers talk and as we said we'll talk to the crystal in just a little bit or we'll hear from her and uh but i wanted to ask you chet um what do you think what's your take on this the last two games have just been absolutely stinkers <laughs> This series has had so many twists and turns, Bill. I mean, going in, most experts predicted the Raptors would win the series. Heck, I'm not necessarily an expert, but I said Raptors in six or seven. Looks like that could happen. But then the Sixers win game two in Toronto, and they routed the Raptors in Philly in game three to seemingly take control of the series. But, of course, that was before all of the latest Joel Embiid drama and losses in games four and five. So, Man, we know we need a positive turn in Game Six, or as we said, the season's over. Yeah, and I guess the tr- uh, you know obviously the troubling part, Chad, is not losing; it's getting blown out of the losses. And these last two games, you know, there's nothing worse for a player, nothing worse for a team, nothing worse for a coach when people start questioning your effort, and that's what people are doing around Philly here this week, certainly. Oh, yeah, and I mean, a lot of people are pointing fingers at Ben Simmons because he's just not playing with the aggressiveness you want to see. He seems unwilling to take shots even from, you know, 
within three feet of the basket. He's always looking to dish it off. He doesn't want to get fouled. Maybe go to the foul line. And then you got Embiid with you know the knee problems earlier on this spring, and now of late the sickness. Nobody knows exactly how sick he was, but he was clearly not himself the last couple of games. So the good news is all reports are he looks pretty good today, looks pretty healthy, looks happy. So let's hope that's you know a good sign that he's going to go out there and give us the kind of performance that we saw from him in game three. Well, and, you know, I guess I, I hit you and Fred up on this, Fred Hugo, last week about Brett Brown and the lightning rod that he was but or is. But, you know, the way things have gone in the last two games, Brett Brown has not even been on the hot seat. These, these guys have, have knocked Brett off the hot seat, and the blame is going dead on to the players, and beat Simmons, and even Tobias Harris, Tobias Harris a bit as well. Uh, fair or foul? Uh, he's, he's kind of getting a bit of a pass right now because of the adjustments he made earlier in the series. And I think, yeah, as you said, it's been more the players the last couple of games, not Brett Brown. But I'll tell you what, if they come out tonight with a stinker, uh, there'll be some talk again about Brett Brown maybe not coming back this fall because, I mean, Sixers management has indicated they wanted to get at least to the East Conference Finals this year. And, of course, if they don't win tonight, they're going home in the same situation as they did a year ago, even having made all the changes with the personnel. They'll, they'll be gone, you know, in the second round, and that's not really an improvement. So to that extent of things, Brett Brown is on the hot seat just a little bit. We've we got to see how he performs tonight with this squad, see if he's gotten them in the proper mental state to play and see if they can win a do-or-die game, game six, in Philadelphia with the home fans behind him. As I said, if they throw a clunker out there tonight, you're going to hear some people saying it's time for Brett to go. Well, let me ask you this, Chet. Uh, there hasn't been much credit given to Toronto over the last week. It's all been about the things the Sixers haven't done. Um, do you think Toronto deserves a little more credit than they're getting, that they're actually a pretty darn good team? And, uh, you know, really they deserve some of the credit of what's going on here. Oh, yeah, they absolutely deserve some of the credit. I mean, they had the second-best record, I think, not only in the East, but maybe in, in the entire league. And they won, I believe, 58 games. And that was with Kawhi Leonard sitting out, what, 25 games or whatever, just, you know, the load management things that uh, some of these superstars do today. So that's pretty impressive. They are a very good team. Clearly they're a good defensive team when he's in there especially. And he's proving that he's one of the top three or four players in the league, if not top two right now, Kawhi Leonard. He's been unbelievable. And, you know, some of the other guys were underperforming a little bit, but a lot of them had good games in game five the other night. So, yeah, you've got to give Toronto some credit because, I mean, once you get into these seven-game series, it's a game of adjustments, and clearly the Raptors made some adjustments for games four and five. Yeah. Well, you know, I think two, two other comments before we, we listen to Crystal. Uh, you know, I guess, one, it's always hard to judge when a player is hurt or sick or whatever. You know, the expectation is that this guy's a star. You can't tell if he's really sick. You can't. Only he knows that. Just like mm-hmm. with injuries, and we always had that as coaches in, in trying to figure out who can go and who can't. You know, Joel has decided he's going to try to go. Um, 
and he's getting a lot of minutes, but his production's not there. And and that is a real sticky situation for Brett Brown to say, are we better with him at 30% or whatever he is um, than we are with somebody else at 100%? And I think that's where Brett Brown is really going to get in question if Joel lays an egg again tonight. Yeah, and first of all, I don't think he's going to. I mean, based on the reports, he's looking good right now, so I think he's going to come out with a real strong performance. But the other thing is, I would still take a 30 or 40% healthy Joel Embiid over one of these other guys they have available, the Jonah Boldens and the Amir Johnsons and Greg Monroe. I'd still rather roll the dice with Joel Embiid, even if he's only you know half or below of what we're used to seeing from him. Well, uh, and I'll go ahead. Well, I'll wait until we're done listening to Crystal, and I'll tell you who's going to win tonight. How's that? That sounds good. That sounds good. All right. So, Tell us what, uh, how it went with Crystal and kick us off. All right. Joining me to talk 76ers basketball, her first visit to Philly Press Box Radio from Sixers Outsiders, Crystal Rich. Hey, Crystal. Hey, Chad. Thanks so much for having me. All right, my pleasure. Crystal, as we speak, several hours before Game 6 of the East Semifinals, the Sixers are coming off two hard-to-swallow losses, that nail-biter in Philly in Game 4, and then the ugly blowout in the pivotal Game 5 in Toronto. What do you think the mood of the team is heading into this do-or-die Game 6? You know, Brett Brown gets a lot of criticism, but the one thing that I do like about him is he never gets too high or too low. So I think that he's going to have a good handle on this team going into Game 6 simply because it's a must-win. Obviously, if they lose, they get eliminated. So hopefully everyone is not just their mind is right, but with Joel Embiid in particular, his body is right. Hopefully he's rested up, he's not feeling whatever ailment or sickness that he has been feeling, and we see Game 2 and Game 3 Joel Embiid tonight. Yeah, now we're talking about eight hours before tip-off. Is there any new insight that you've heard about Embiid's health? We usually hear right around shoot-around. That is when we figure out if he is at shoot-around or not, and that kind of gives us a little bit of insight into if he's playing or not. So last time, uh, Keith Pompey tweeted out that he was not at the shoot-around, and that gave us kind of an idea that he wasn't feeling too well. Um, We won't know until a couple hours before the game. Has any Sixer besides Jimmy Butler had even a decent series against the Raptors? That's a good question. As far as our starters, it's it's really hard. It depends if you're talking offensively or defensively because defensively I think that some of the players like Ben Simmons have had good games. Offensively, Ben Simmons has not had a decent game, although he has had games like in the Game 3 win. He's tried different things in the half court which everyone has been crying for him to do, and Brett Brown has drawn things up for him at times. We don't see it throughout the entirety of the playoffs. But Game 3 also, Joel Embiid, we have to remember, he dropped 33 points and had five blocks, so he has had a good game. He showed up that night. Even in that same game, J.J. Redick had 15 points, so he did his job. Tobias Harris, usually he might have an okay game, offensively but again not a defensive stud so I don't think that a lot of the players or the starters have had complete games all around because if they did I don't think that we would be in this position but defensively I think that Ben has had a 
good, at least a good game against the Raptors. And I do think that Embiid, when he is feeling healthy, when he's feeling like himself, he has had good games. But you, you mentioned it. Jimmy Butler is the one, as Brett Brown likes to say, as the adult in the room who really puts the team on his back when he's struggling. He will, when Ben is not taking any attempts, when Joel is not taking any attempts, it's really Jimmy Butler who puts the team on his back, not just defensively, but offensively as well. So hopefully this game six is a team effort tonight. So all the pressure is not on Jimmy Butler because we can appreciate as a fan base when he does that. But then that also means that no one else is stepping up. We've got to talk a little more about Ben Simmons, Crystal. I know he's only been an active player in the NBA for two seasons. I know he was an all-star this year, but his stats aren't drastically different in season two from season one, and he's frankly come up pretty small in the second round of the playoffs, both last year and this year. There's his unwillingness to shoot, his non-aggressiveness sometimes. Do you get as frustrated watching him as a lot of fans, including myself, do? Oh, yeah, I'm a TV screamer. (laughs) You can ask my co-host Tyrone Johnson. I'm, I'm yelling at the TV all the time. I have come to the the state where I am now accepting in this postseason that he's not going to take jumpers. I want to see that change next season. If he doesn't work on that particular part of his game, which is developing a whole new skill set, which I know is hard to do, but he has to work on it in the offseason. There are times where, where I am severely frustrated with Ben Simmons and other times where I can appreciate his efforts. For example, in Game 3, he only had 10 points. But I like that he had 13 attempts overall instead of, like, Game 5 where he only had five attempts and had five turnovers. And the reason why I was a little bit forgiving because he only had 10 points in in the Game 3 victory is because he was trying things in the half court. One of my biggest full pods with Brett Brown is how come you're not – giving any attention to Ben Simmons. He's literally just dribbling up the ball and passing it out. And we know he can be a good passer, but I would like to see something drawn up for him in the half court. So in certain games, he does things in the half court, or he's tried things in the half court, game three in particular. And we saw a little bit of it maybe in one game versus the Nets. However, there are other times, like in game five, when he started the game off with Two back-to-back turnovers where Brett Brown decided to make an in-game adjustment and put the ball in Jimmy Butler's hands at point a little bit more and a little bit earlier throughout the game where Ben Simmons was also in the game, but he was playing off ball. And I think Ben Simmons, to me, playing off ball is even more frustrating. And, And why is that? Because one of the biggest controversies going into this season even is, is Ben Simmons even a point guard? He doesn't shoot the ball. Well, have him off ball and then look at what he does. He seems like he does not know what to do off ball. Jimmy Butler, he might get a a pick and roll and ISO. And Ben Simmons, he's kind of just standing around and almost giving a possession off to Kawhi Leonard, letting him rest up. You don't really see him cutting. You don't see him making an effort to get to the basket. And he's in the post where he apparently last offseason was doing all of his work trying to get better in the post. Yet, when the ball's not in his hands, he doesn't quite seem to know what to do. So I think, to me, from a fan, from someone who grew up as a Sixer fan, that's probably the most frustrating part, aside from just the non-shooting. It's that when we try something different, putting the ball in someone else's hands, 
he doesn't quite have a grasp of what to do off ball. I couldn't agree more. Okay, the season's not over yet. We hope it goes beyond tonight, beyond Sunday, as a matter of fact. But whenever it does end, the Sixers will have something like seven or eight free agents after the year. Most notably, Jimmy Butler, who has a player option, plus Tobias Harris, J.J. Redick, Mike Scott, even Bobby and T.J. Now, among the big three names on that list, Crystal, Butler, Harris, and Redick, who's a Sixer next year and who maybe isn't? You know, it's hard to predict who is and who isn't, but I can tell you who I, out of the three, who I would want. I would want, obviously, all three of them back, but if I had to choose, I want Jimmy Butler back, seeing how he is able to put the team on his back when everyone else is struggling shows me that veteran leadership that he has at 29 years old, that he is experienced, that he is willing. We went through most of the regular season when we got him in November saying, I wish he would be a little more selfish. I wish he would uh, shoot the ball more, even though he's, he's never really been a volume shooter. But he's, he's one of those guys who, if given the opportunity, can put this team on his back. Obviously, we would want a Tobias Harris back, even though towards the end of the regular season, we saw a little bit of a shooting slump from behind the arc. And J.J. Redick, it might be time for him to evolve as a player coming off of the bench. And I know that might not be a popular take in the city because we all love J.J. Redick, as we should. But if we could choose, I would choose Jimmy Butler. Now, realistically, the person who I really think has a good chance of staying is Tobias Harris. And he said it came down to two things, which is a winning culture and loyalty because he's been already on so many different teams. Now, coming from the Clippers where they're just fighting to make the playoffs and here in Philadelphia where our standards this year are so much higher, the team and Elton Brand said our goal is the Eastern Conference Finals. So if that's not winning culture, then I guess I don't, I don't really know what is. And if they offer him a decent contract, perhaps a max, I think that will get him to stay since he seems to want a little more stability. Uh, Jimmy Butler, I think he likes it in Philadelphia. I really do. He threw a Easter egg hunt for the front office. But at the end of the day, we can't be naive. It comes down to that max contract that they're going to offer him. And I think he wants to secure the bag, as most players do. Two final questions for you, Crystal. I saw you posted a video the other day of you dribbling and shooting, making a nice bank shot. First of all, did you call that bank shot, and did you play hoops in your formative years? <laughs> I'll start with the second question first. Yes, I did grow up playing basketball. I also ran track and cross country. I was a hurdler. Played the two in basketball, shooting guard. You know, every single comment is, did you call that? Did you call bank? Did you call bank? And my answer to that is I was at the park by myself. (laughs) So, no, I was not talking to myself at the park calling bank. But if it was in a game, absolutely, I would have to call it or it would not have counted, right? (laughs) (laughs) You got it. You got it. Beautiful shot. Anyway, hey, finally, back in early January, you and Tyrone had the honor of ringing the bell before a Sixers game. Even though you weren't happy with your stroke, that is pretty cool. That was really an honor. And I, I hope that if we are back next year, Sixers Outsiders, that we will get the chance to do it again. And me and Tyrone kind of joke and talk about this all the time, watching the other bell ringers, because they tell you to precisely hit it at a certain spot. So we were both so concentrated on hitting it at that certain spot that Tyrone didn't like the way he hit the bell. And then I took the little ladle and I hit it and I kind of looked like, a mad mom just knocking something over someone's head. So I, I didn't mean to look so so mad when I did it, but it really was truly an honor in front of the home crowd, in front of the team that we both grew up loving. So 
hopefully, you know, there will be a chance for us to do that next season. And trust me, we have watched the tape. We have been in the film room, and we 100% plan to come out better next season. (laughs) I love it. Watch Crystal on Sixers Outsiders on NBC Sports Philly. Hopefully tonight's not the final episode of the season. And follow her on Twitter, at Crystal Rich. Thanks for doing this, Crystal, and go Sixers. Thank you so much. Hey, Chad, I'm going to tell you what. Crystal was outstanding. Yeah, she was really good. She really knows her stuff clearly and very, very personable, man. Just so easy to talk to. So hopefully we'll have her on again in the fall. Hopefully Sixers Outsiders will be back too because I think that she and Tyrone do a real nice job. Yes, they do. All right, Chad. Hey, before we get over to the Irish River Station House, I'm going to tell you the Sixers win tonight. Joel Embiid has a big night, and uh, we're going to game seven. You know, I agree with you. Um, if the reports are accurate that he's feeling better and looking better, I think he's going to come out and you know, really have a great game, and that's what we need. Although, I'll say this, I was pretty confident going into game six, or game five the other night in Toronto, and we know how that turned out. So hopefully tonight will be a whole lot better. Yeah. Hey, one other comment on, on Crystal's uh, interview. I'm, I'm hoping she's dead wrong, and I'm hoping Jimmy Butler gets that max, and I'm hoping he's back. He's he certainly stepped up and deserved it in my mind. Yeah, I think it's going to happen. I think she, I think she thinks it might happen as well. And I, I think the Sixers <clears throat> clearly know at this point that they need him because he has really proven himself to be a real leader. And, you know, if they're going to continue to be competitive going forward as they continue to go through this process, um, I think that they have to have Jimmy Butler back. I agree. All right, Chad, tell us what's going on over at the Rover. Bill, I believe you saw the pictures I spent last Saturday night over at the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn, PA, enjoying some great southern rock courtesy of the band Big Whiskey, hanging with my cousin Art and his wife Karen and some others, enjoying a few or maybe several adult beverages. Great night. I always enjoy visiting the Irish Rover, and they have a popular annual event happening there this Sunday. It's their always terrific Mother's Day brunch. They have an awesome menu for that with seatings at 10, 11, 12 noon, and 1. Reservations are required, though, and they're filling up. Don't wait. Call 267-560-5240. Again, 267-560-5240. Check their website, irishroverstationhouse.com. Mother, tell your children not to walk my way. All right, hey, Chet, we mentioned in the opening, the Phillies start to open up some space. They're up to a three-and-a-half game lead in the NL East. The pitching has picked up, picked up some. And what about that Jared Eikhoff being a real early season surprise? Yeah, what a pleasant surprise he has been. Uh, got the ERA down to 150. He looked really good the last two times out. And, you know, eight shutout innings, his longest ever outing. I really like what we're getting from him. And he, he's a guy who always had the potential. And now that apparently he's, you know, past those issues with, with the fingers, uh, hopefully he'll give us a great year. I like what he's doing. Jake Arrieta's been okay. Aaron Nola looks like he's coming around. And whenever you're ready, I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking about Vince Velasquez, but I, I don't want to do it yet. I'm not ready. Uh, Reese Hoskins <laughs> hitting well. Reese hitting 295, 11 homers, 32 ribbies. Cesar Hernandez picking it up. So things are looking good. Yeah, they're in first place and widening the lead just a little bit. I'm not going to get too optimistic yet because they were in first place last year for a good chunk of the season. But clearly this is a much better team than a year ago. Absolutely. And, uh, 
you know, and the pitching, as you said, Nola Nola has pitched much better. Uh, that back, that back end of that bullpen is still a little bit scary. I think they still need yeah. to define those roles back there. Uh, but when your pitchers are able to get a little deeper in the game, same thing happened last year. They get a little deeper into the game, it makes uh, that bullpen more effective. Yeah, uh, I'd like to have a little bit more order in the bullpen. Clearly, uh, they're a little gun-shy about using Sir Anthony in crucial situations right now. I guess they want to you know, work him back into that. Um, Bill, I, I got to tell you, my, my main problem right now is Vince Velasquez. I know he had a couple of decent outings you earlier. Now? but You ready now? I'm, I'm over Vince. Almost every game, it takes him 90 to 100 pitches to get through five innings. Monday, four-plus innings, 98 pitches, and he had the nerve to shake off JT Realmuto several times. JT, of course, an all-star, a veteran, and one of the best catchers in the game. I'm over Vinny. Send him to the minors, send him to the bullpen, but I'm tired of watching him on the mound as a starter with what seems like every opposing hitter having a seven- or eight-pitch at bat. Look at his numbers. Six starts this year. Uh, 30.1 innings. Now, one of those innings was in relief the first game of the year. So, really, he's averaging less than five innings per start. And he's given up 26 hits and 15 walks and a hit batter in those 30.1 innings. And it just seems like torture watching him out there. Like I said, every at-bat seems to go long. And I have no faith in this guy. And this is, what, year four for him? And he just hasn't really improved. I'm tired of him, Bill. Well, but, but, Chad, if you look at him a little closer, too, as you look down that stat line, he's got 32 strikeouts in those 30 and a third. And his ERA is 3.86, yeah. which is very reasonable. I know. I, know. Uh, I can't you know, believe the, that. The numbers do lie a little bit. <laughs> I saw the ERA. That's <laughs> got to be a mistake. His his uh, ERA is lower than um, Aaron Nola. Go figure, because Nola had a couple of rough outings earlier on. Vince has pitched in a lot of trouble, and yeah, he's gotten out of some of those situations. I know that, but still, I'm just never confident when he's out there anymore. Yeah, well, you you just keep thinking that he's got this talent. I'm sure that's what they're thinking. He's got this talent. He yeah. strike, strikes out a guy every inning. You know, he's averaging 9.5 strikeouts for nine innings. You, you know, I'm sure they think this is just so much potential here. When's it going to happen? And, you know, and I heard uh, – I heard Gabe Kapler say the other day, well, they were fouling a lot of balls off. That means he's got good stuff. Well, you got to get them out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they can foul off, you know, seven or eight pitches a lot of the time, but I don't know. It just I, – I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. Well, hey, you mentioned Reese Hoskins, uh, Jet. His numbers right now – I mean, we're not at a quarter of the season yet. we got we got a ways to go another week to get to the quarter of the season. He's at 11 home runs and 32 RBIs, so he is on a somewhere like a 46 to 48 home run, 140 RBI pace. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. Yeah, and even though Bryce Harper is only hitting 231, uh, you know, having him right in front of him in the lineup in front of Hoskins has really benefited Reese, I think, because Harper still oh. does get a lot of you know pitches and he gets. He walks a lot still, so it's clearly helping Reese Hoskins. He's the beneficiary of that. And, and having JT behind him certainly doesn't hurt either, who's who's another all-star. And, and Hoskins is getting the benefit now. Um, but I think these other guys are going to heat up too. Oh, I do too. So uh, I think they're definitely for real. They're going to contend, and you know, hopefully we'll still be saying that in late September, that they're going to contend and go to the playoffs. That's right. And, and Chet, 
well, I'm going to word this differently than I was thinking. Your boy Aaron Altair is gone. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, farewell. Not my boy anymore. All right, he, uh, speaking of farewell, I didn't want to say rest in peace and make joke of Aaron Altair. Rest in peace, Dave Montgomery, and that's serious. Yeah, and we'll talk a little more about that later, I hope, because just what a great man. And you didn't hear anybody say a bad thing about David Montgomery ever, you know, even 20 years ago. One of the nicest guys in the business. Glad I got to meet him, meet him rather, just a few months ago. You know, we all knew he wasn't in great health at the time. But, boy, I, I tell you, I listened to a lot of the live stream of the news conference at 1130 yesterday morning, and I was I was tearing up because it was clearly that – clear that everybody really really admired david montgomery yeah absolutely absolutely all right well hey chet let's move on let's talk about uh insurance and if you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area we got the spot for you all state insurance in westchester pa yeah absolutely one of the best benefits bill of having an all state insurance policy is getting a local agent like dave lavoy who is dedicated to you building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs, someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what's most important to you and your family. Call Allstate Agent Dave Lavoie in Westchester, PA. That's 610-430-0700, 610-430-0700. Normally I'd play a little music for you right here, Bill, but let's get to our guest. Let's do it because I am really excited to have another Philadelphia sports legend making his first visit to Philly Press Box Radio, Lou Scheinfeld, Chet. Yeah, I'm, as, I'm excited as well, Bill. If you're a Philly sports fan, you've certainly heard the name Lou Scheinfeld because he's been involved with the Philly sports scene uh, you know, in various capacities for 50-plus years. He was there from the beginning for the Flyers and the Spectrum, a Flyers and Sixers executive, and now he's working on getting a brand-new museum of sports open in South Philly. We can't wait for that. And, Lou, with that, welcome to Philly Press Box Radio. Well, thanks, Chet and Bill. It's great to be on. I love your show, and uh, it's it's shows like yours that keep the spirit alive in Philadelphia, which, uh, you know, every city says they're the best sports town in the country, but guess what? <laughs> Philly is the best sports country in the town. We have all four major league teams playing at the same intersection. I mean, come on. <laughs> you got that right, Luke. Hey, Lou, this is Chet. Uh, before we discuss the recent Kate Smith controversy, your pal Lou Nolan, who's been on our show two or three times, in his great book about the Flyers a year and a half ago, told the story of how it was you who decided to play God Bless America at a Flyers game for the first time in 1969, kind of catching Ed Snyder off guard, and you who then brought Kate in the flesh to the spectrum a few years later to sing it for the first time. Can you tell the story again of how it all began with God Bless America being played at the spectrum? Sure. Um, um, poor Ed Snyder, he's gone, but I love, uh, he used to, <laughs> he used to bristle when I would tell this story because he cursed me out <laughs> when I, I heard, heard it. Um, but that was not unusual. He cursed me out a lot because he, if he didn't love me, he wouldn't have done it. But, uh, you know, we worked together for years and years, decades, and uh, I was his, one of his closest friends and advisor for, uh, oh, up until the day he took his last breath. But in, in December, of 1969, which hard to say was 50 years ago, um, uh, the fans at the Spectrum uh, at Flyers games and even more so at 76ers games, I felt were disrespecting the national anthem. It was it was routine. It was played before every game. People didn't pay attention. They sat. They ate. They they were uh, drinking. And in those days, even sitting there smoking a cigarette. 
And very few stood. Nobody took their hats off. And I, I said to Ed one day, listen, um, you know, we're both great patriots. And uh, I just feel like if if I played something other than God, uh, the National Anthem one night, what do you think? He said, uh, what are you, nuts? And that was the end of that conversation. So um, <laughs> about a month later, I'm down on South Street, and I walk into a used record store, and I find this old LP of uh, of Kate Smith, who I thought had already passed away because her uh, in, in 1969, her career had per- been pretty much on the wane. Um, and I took the record back to the Spectrum, and one night after everybody had left, there was no event that night, the building was dark, I said to the sound booth guy, can you just play this record? Let's see what it uh, sounds like. So he played it. I went out into the stands, and I listened over the loudspeakers in this empty, dark building, and I hear this incredible song. I thought, my gosh, this is awesome. This is what I can play one night. So a few weeks later, we're playing Toronto, and in those days, the Flyers didn't win very much. They didn't have a good team. And Toronto would eat, would normally have eaten us up. So uh, I called down to the uh, 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 PA announcer. It was before Lou started, actually, a few years. And uh, I said, listen, we're going to play Kate. And he said, what are you talking about? I said, the sound booth has it. Don't worry about it. Just announced that we're playing Kate Smith's recording of God Bless America. So he says, ladies and gentlemen, would you please stand and, and join in as and he pauses. Uh, the record of Kate Smith is going to be played God Bless America. Well, the crowd like uh as like what everybody was quiet and then all of a sudden there's like uh this growing buzz like everybody's talking to each other what is this and snyder gets up in his seat in the super box walks over to me and says what are you doing are you crazy i said i told you i was going to do it he says yeah but i didn't think you were nuts enough to actually do it so and he cursed a little bit too which i can't say but and he goes back to his seat well the first period we hit we score we fight we hustle exciting game we're leading at the end of two we're leading at the end of three we win six to three which was a miracle (laughs) and the people are streaming up the aisle and i don't know if you remember the spectrum days but ed snyder's seat was right on the end he liked to interact with the fans and as they're coming up they're saying mr snyder that was brilliant you're a genius that should be our our uh, good luck charm and what a wonderful song it should be our national he gets up he walks over to me and he goes you (laughs) sob He says, I don't, cha- I don't know how you did it, and he gives me a big hug. And 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 uh, a week later, I played it. We went again. Oh, another week later, I played it. We went again. The first three years, it, it, I played it 21 times, and we were 19-1-1, which was way better than the Flyers' record in those days. And that, that began the good luck charm. Wow. Well, Lou, taking that one step further, what – what got to the decision to bring Kate to Philly for those few live appearances? As a kid, they were just phenomenal and uh, still gives me chills to this day when I watch them. Well, it, t- it took us four years to get her. Uh, we didn't get her to come till 73, I think it was. Um, first played it in 69. Uh, but we had been trying to get her all along because, you know, uh, I'm a promotion guy. I'm a PR guy. I'm a huge fan. I'm a patriot. And, and I said, I think we got something here. We, we really should work. So we called, we tracked down her agent in New York, a persnickety guy who thought we were dirt. And he said, Miss Smith, 
sings for presidents, the Pope, queens. <laughs> she doesn't sing at a hockey game, especially in Philadelphia. Well, that got my bud boiling. So we called him like every six months. He he blew us off. He was so condescending, this guy. I'll never forget it. Raymond Katz was his name. <laughs> anyway, uh, but she had an 88-year-old uncle living in West Philly. I mean, who could ever come up with that? He started sending her clippings from the Inquirer and Bulletin and Daily News about her being a good luck charm for four years. She gets this. She goes to him and says, listen, I've been getting these clippings from my uncle. Do you think they would ever let me come down and sing? <laughs> and he wow. he, said, he called us with his tail between his legs, and he said, listen, I uh, against my better judgment, uh, uh, Miss Smith uh, said she would like to come down, but I'm sure you couldn't afford her. I said, I'm sure we couldn't. He said, well, she gets $25,000 in appearance. He said, make me an offer. He says, I know you can't afford it. He said, make me an offer, but don't insult me. I said, $5,000. He says, that's an insult. <laughs> I said, 5000 He says, 10000 I said, 5000 I said, that's our, you know, look, this is 1969. That's a lot of money back yep. in 69. And look, the flyers weren't rolling in money then. So he agrees. He calls me back uh, against my better judgment. She has agreed, and uh, you'll have to pay for her uh, ride down and this and provide an organ. I said, yeah, yeah, we got all that stuff. Don't worry. And a red carpet. I, yeah, we got carpet. Don't worry. So I go into Snyder, and I said, Ed, guess what? I said, we got Kate Smith. He says, you're kidding. How much? Because, <laughs> you know, Ed was in a, a CPA, and he had partners and a budget and so forth. So I said, $10,000. He says, $10,000. Oh, my God, we can't. Oh, I don't know how we He says, but you know what? We got to do it. I'll get the money. I'll get the money. You get her. I'll get the money. I said, but guess what? Ed? I just saved you $5,000. It's only five. He goes, you SOB unison. <laughs> but I, I always highballed him. So then when I always told him the real price of anything, it was a lot better. But that's the way we got along. A lot of people don't realize that Snyder – uh, was a wonderful guy. I mean, he was a hard-nosed businessman, and he could be austere, and he could be uh, intense and, and foreboding with that laser stare his. But he appreciated the things that some of us in the organization did because uh, we were the human face. You know, he was the the boss, the owner, the spokesperson. But we made a lot of things uh, take place, and he backed us up all the way. All right, now we got to get to the controversy. Everybody's aware of it by now, of course. Last month. The Yankees and then the Flyers decided eh, Kate Smith wasn't a great person. She was, you know, maybe a racist because of the lyrics to a couple of these songs. The Flyers made the decision, of course, to stop playing God Bless America and then remove the statue near Xfinity Live. Lou, you're on. Well, um, uh, first of all, uh, the Yankees uh, said they were going to investigate. They got an email from a fan who said that she sang a couple of racist songs back in the 30s, almost 90 years ago. The Yankees said they would investigate, but in the meantime, to err on the side of sensitivity – they were not going to play her song anymore. And they started playing that song in 2001 after the 9-11 tragedy uh, at the, in the seventh inning. Um, we had been playing it uh, for, well, well, you know, we've been playing it on and off over the last 50 years. So the Flyers immediately, and, and what I wrote uh, in an op-ed in, uh, in the Philadelphia area, was what to me was a knee-jerk reaction. They instantly said, we are removing her song from our library. We are not playing her song again with her singing it. 
and they went out and covered her statue in black tarp or burlap or whatever the heck it was, and rope. And it looked so grotesque with her arms spread out in that fantastic yeah. pose of her singing at the Spectrum. And it sat there for two days, and, and I said to people, they can't let that sit like this. They've got to remove it. They should have removed it immediately. Well, of course, in, uh, under the, uh, the cover of night, uh, after midnight one night or whatever, they removed it. It's gone, and all that was left was the concrete slab and some dirt and debris on top of it and two railings so you couldn't touch it. And th- th- that, that was not handled properly. If, if everybody says to me, what do you think Ed Snyder would have done? Now, that's, of course, impossible to answer, but my knowing him, I would have said he would have taken a day, maybe two, and, and looked into it carefully. Those two songs were obviously racist by today's standards. She didn't write them. She recorded over 3,000 songs in her career. These are two songs when she sang in her early 20s, and Paul Robeson, the great black civil rights uh, activist and singer, he he recorded one of them as well. One of those yep. songs is, is considered to be a uh, uh, a spoof, a uh, satire on white prem- supremacy, putting it down. But look, what was said then, and, and now you look at it today, it, it's terrible. Those words are horrible, and uh, you know I would I wouldn't accept those words. Just absolutely terrible. But you can't wipe away history. What are we going to do? Wipe away George Washington because he got um, he had slaves? Uh, Francis Scott Key, who wrote the the uh, Star Spangled Banner, he owned slaves. He was a lawyer supporting other slave owners to keep their slaves in his early days. Now he changed later on. He became more enlightened. Kate Smith was a wonderful patriot who did so much for this country, and just having uh, been with her on at least ten occasions, four of which she spoke uh, spoke live at the Spectrum, uh, sang live rather, and one when she came in for the Stanley Cup parade. And getting to know her and spend time with her, she was a wonderful woman, and no one, no one ever has said she was a racist. Well, we, I think we both agree wholeheartedly with you, Luke. Yep. Well, you know what? It, it, it's, it's uh, look, civil rights is so important in this country. It's a cause which we all have to be behind because it's any decent thinking person realizes, you know, civil rights is, is what we're all about. But we're witnessing a menacing split in our country right now. Uh, people, uh, look, in, in, in San Francisco, there's a 1,600-square-foot uh, mural of George Washington with slaves and Indians in the picture. It's been there since 1936 in this school. The uh, superintendent of school says we need to remove it now because people are complaining that it's traumatizing the children. It's been there for 83 years. I want to talk to any person who was ever traumatized by that mural. It's, it's, it's people. You know what's traumatizing the kids? It's the adults. The adults That's who right. are just trying to wipe away everything. That's right. Wayne, but I don't feel strongly about it. Before we run out of time, we certainly need to talk to you about the new uh, sports museum you're heading up and tell us all about that and uh, what's going on there. Well, look, we, we, uh, like I said early on, we have the best sports fans, the best sports town. We've got incredible teams. 
Um, the area, you know, with millions turn out for parades. It's just fantastic. But what we don't have is a sports museum. We have all kinds of museums. You name it. We got a museum where they show dead, dead people's skulls and stuff. I mean, come on. Uh, a sports museum with the millions of fans. So we found what we think is a cr- an incredible location. It's in the Jetro building, which if you're not familiar with that, on Darien Street, directly across the street from uh, Lincoln Financial Field, right down the street from Citizens Bank Park. Our architect designed Citizens Bank Park and the Giant Stadium in New Jersey and redid the Villanova Pavilion. And uh, we have a, a designer inside, an interior designer, who did a lot of work at the Museum of the American Revolution, which is a tremendous success. And we have over $35 million worth of artifacts being donated or loaned by private collectors and foundations. All we need is money. We need to raise uh, $6 million to open. We could open with four, but it won't be great. We could open with six. It'll be really nice. If we can raise eight million, we will be golden. It'll be a fantastic museum. Not only, I mean, look, how long can you look at Babe Ruth's jersey or Mike Schmidt's jersey? You need the inter, what they call the um, uh, virtual reality, the, uh, augmented reality, uh, experiential things. What's it like to be in the huddle with Carson Wentz? What's it like to ride your bike up the Maniunk Wall or race at the Pocono 500? The museum would be Philadelphia-centric. Half, 50% of the artifacts and exhibits would be Philadelphia, uh, including the Freedom and the Soul and the uh, all the other teams uh, and, and and the the, uh, uh, the Mighty Max from Maculata, the Philadelphia Warriors, the Spas. I mean, we got Wilt Chamberlain's Overbrook jacket. We got Connie Max suit. Uh, we've got the ringside belt from the 1936, uh, 1926 Dempsey Tunney fight at JFK Stadium, which was then called uh, Municipal Stadium or uh, Susquecentennial Stadium or something. 130,000 people came to see that fight in the rain. We have the ringside belt. You can ring it. We have Ali's robe and, and trunks and boxing gloves and uh, uh, Frazier's as well. Uh, from the 1971 fight of the century at Madison Square Garden where uh, Joe took him down with that famous left hook. You name it, we got it. Wow. Keep us posted on that, Lou, because uh, we want to be there when it opens, I'll tell you that. And in our final couple of minutes, I I just want to say you were also one of the main guys behind the creation of Philly Live, which is now known, of course, as Xfinity Live. I would say that's been quite a nice success story. Uh, it's a tremendous success story, and it's it's a it's a bar. I mean, it's a sports bar. It's a it's a sports bar on steroids. It's very very successful, but it's not for families. Uh, the museum is for families, and I think the synergy of having the museum, uh, Xfinity Live. Uh, and and now uh, Comcast Spectacor uh, is going to be building a uh, $80 million office building next to it and a 35 or 4,000 seat uh, arena for esports right on the Spectrum uh, footprint. That's going to that's fantastic. That's going to be a fantastic area. We're right down the street, and right down there in a couple boxes is where the new $700 million casino is going, and that's underway, and that's funded, and that's going to happen. So that area is going to be fantastic. You got the subway, you've got uh, Broad Street coming down from Center City in 15 minutes. You got the Ben Frank of the uh, Walton Bridge going to Jersey. You're down the street from I-95 going to Wilmington and Delaware. What a great location! Fantastic. Well, Lou, we've used up all your time already. We certainly appreciate you joining us. Great stuff, and uh, 
maybe we can get you back as you get a little bit closer to bringing that whole thing together and those doors open so we could be there too. Well, I keep saying I want to be the first drunk thrown out of the museum. I'll I'll be there opening <laughs> night. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, well, thanks. Right. Thank you, so Chet and Bill. Appreciate it. All right, keep Take up care. the great work. You got Thank it. You, Thank sir. you. Bye. Well, that was fun, Bill. Hey, Chet. As we mentioned, Philly Press Box Radio celebrated our fifth birthday last week. We rolled out some new shirts. They've been a smash so far. We've been getting rid of a whole load of them. Tell us about them. Yeah, we've sold a bunch of them already, frankly, more than we had anticipated. These are real nice Philly Press Box Radio T-shirts, not polo shirts this time, but T-shirts. They're available in sizes medium through 2XL, I believe, and is a red logo on the front and our sponsor's logos on the back. They are available in red. Yeah, red on red, it works, though, trust me, as well as in gray and in black with the red logo. Get this. You can choose from regular material or dry fit. Prices are $15 for the regular or $17 for dry fit. If you need them shipped, add $7 for one shirt, 10 bucks if you're ordering two. I'll repost the ad on Facebook tomorrow. I think you put it on Twitter again this evening, Bill. Am I, am I right we're actually running out of some of the styles and sizes on our initial run here? We, we are, but we're going to order some more, and we are going to order bigger sizes than 2X if requested, Chet, because I already have a 3X request. So we can do whatever needs to be done. That is awesome. That is awesome. And by the way, n- normally out of the uh, ad for Allstate, we play a little music, and i got to play this one, Bill, because it's a special day. Okay? I'd rather laugh with the sinners and cry with the saints. The sinners are much more fun. You know that only the good die young. 70 years old today, Bill. Billy Joel. Billy Joel. Wow. You got you got a and favorite Billy Joel song? Citizens Bank. He will be at Citizens Bank Park uh, pretty soon. Yeah, I believe it's uh, May twenty fourth, the Friday of Memorial Day weekend. There you go. He, you got a favorite song? His favorite song? Oh, I I just got to go back to the very first one and the the first hit that was Piano Man. It's uh, still a classic. I still listen to it all the time. Uh, although I listen to a lot of his songs, like like many of them. The only problem yeah, I have with yeah. Billy Joel. Uh, I can't figure out how you don't stay married to Christy Brinkley, but what do I know? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he a lot of great music. I love that one. I loved uh, seeing some Italian restaurant, Allentown, and of course, Only the Good Die Young we've just played. There's, you know, 30 more that I love. So, happy 70th, Billy Joel. Absolutely. Hey, Chad, tell us who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable next week. You, uh, I tell you what, you keep raising the bar. Great guests again tonight. Oh, man, we had two good ones tonight. Next week, we have one old favorite and one newcomer. The returnee is one of our frequent guests who is always great to talk to about the Eagles, about life in general, about getting motivated, you name it. It's former Eagles special teamer, author, and motivational speaker Kevin Riley back on the show with us. In addition, Bill, we're going to have a visit from a young lady who's part of the top-rated Preston and Steve morning show on WMMR, Marissa Magnata. Marissa is a big Philly sports fan, and she'll also tell us about next weekend's MMRBQ and some other things going on at 93.3. Very cool. Looking forward to it. Uh, I I don't know her, uh, but certainly do know Kevin, and he is one of my all-time favorites, as you know. Yeah, and I think that'll be his 12th visit, tying him with Ray Didinger for the top spot in visits. (laughs) Oh, speaking of Ray, he was pretty good last week, too. 
Ray is always great, man. We love talking to Ray. We we get some good guests here, man. Yes, we do. Well, hey, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They've continued to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC118 Razroom. That's right, PPCC118 Razroom on Facebook. And, Chad, hey, before we get to uh, parting shots, um, unless your parting shot has to do with Mr. David Montgomery, let's uh, let's talk for a minute about him as well. Yeah, I had the I had the same thought, Bill. A little more talk about David because, man, I'll tell you, um, he he was just so well liked by everybody. And I'm serious. I was on my way to New York yesterday on the train, and I was watching the live stream that the Phillies were providing, and I had to turn it off because I looked like a, a sobbing little fool i my my eyes were tearing up there there were tears rolling down my face just because of you know how highly all these phillies executives and former manager charlie Manuel, larry boa um john middleton just speaking so kindly about david montgomery and you can tell it was very sincere and man you just felt so bad you know that he is gone but so much he did for Philadelphia and the community and how everybody said he was just, you know, great to work with and work for and he would, you know, talk to the star outfielder just the same he would talk to one of the vendors. He would get to know them, get to know their name, find out about them and that that's the kind of story you heard from everybody who spoke about David Montgomery and boy, what a guy. Yeah, you're right. And and you know, I was gonna say if you look on the on the Facebook feed uh, that I have that is, you know, mostly Philly sports fans. Um, so many people posted their picture with David Montgomery. Uh, you know, there, he was everywhere. And and like I say, you, you said, I think one of the greatest compliments a person could ever receive is that he was everybody's friend. And it didn't mm-hmm. matter if you were the superstar player or if you were the guy running the camera or sweeping the floor or working in the cafeteria, and they said that he he every day went and sat with the, if you want to call them the regular people, you know, mm-hmm. the working people. That's who he would have lunch with. He wouldn't have lunch with the with the star people, you know. And uh, like I say, I think the greatest compliment a person can receive. Unfortunately, it, it seems like they receive that after they die. Um, yeah. But I'm sure they were all. He was very well appreciated uh, by each and every one of those people as they told their stories. Real nice piece written by Jim Salisbury that I posted the you know link to yesterday, uh, really summary, summing up what a great guy he was. And it was so nice to see him and meet him at the Philadelphia Sports Writers Banquet in January, David Montgomery. And then we learned that they moved up the announcement of the 2026 All-Star Game coming to Philly because they knew it was one of David Montgomery's pet projects and they knew he was in poor health, so they moved that up to like a month and a half ago or whatever it was and he was able to be there, and David was also able to get to opening day at the ballpark on March 28th, and then, of course, he went into the hospital, we found out, the next day, but he just really was committed to getting there for opening day because he just loved that event every single year. Yep. Well, rest in peace, Dave Montgomery. He will certainly be missed in the Philadelphia uh, sports world, and 
obviously with the Phillies family as uh, they all let us know uh, yesterday and, and today. Yep, you got it. All right. Hey, Chet, one other thing I wanted to mention to you. I don't know if you got a chance uh, to to read this. was the article that came out in philly.com. Uh, Marcus Haynes, who, you know, some people like him, some people don't. But he thrashed Joel Embiid in today's paper. I was wondering if you got a chance to look at that. I did not get to see it as yet, but I will certainly take a look at it. Um, and hopefully Joel maybe saw it and got a little more inspiration for tonight. Yeah, he uh, he, he went after him pretty hard. The, the whole drama queen, the prima donna thing, and uh, questioning, questioning his manhood, I, I think he would say. Mm. It. Will, become, will he become a playoff hero or be destined to be a diva? That's the headline. <laughs> oh, boy. So... All right. With that, Mr. Chesco, let's get to your parting shot. All right. This is on a completely different note, Bill. Uh, A couple of facts. I watch a lot of mindless television, and Sunday is Mother's Day. Yeah, I do. (laughs) And Sunday is Mother's Day. So the other day I was thinking about my favorite TV moms, and I kept it to the sitcom category. There are the classics from back in the day, Lucy Ricardo, June Cleaver, Laurie Petrie, or Petrie, Carol Brady, Shirley Partridge, Happy Days, Marion Cunningham, and the Cosby Show's Claire Huxtable. There are the sitcom horror moms that I loved, Lily Munster and Morticia Adams. There are even animated TV moms like Marge Simpson and Betty Rubble. Yes, I preferred Betty over Wilma Flintstone. There are those that I had a little crush on, Samantha Stevens on Bewitched, Rachel on Friends. Yes, she was a mom. Gloria Pritchett and Claire Dunphy on Modern Family these days. But, you know, my favorites in terms of just making me laugh would be these five. Peg Bundy on Married with Children, Roseanne Connor on Roseanne, Beverly Goldberg on The Goldbergs these days, Marie Barone, that's Ray's mom on Everybody Loves Raymond. She was a hoot, as they say. And, of course, Edith Bunker on All in the Family. So those are some of my favorite TV moms. Thanks for all the laughs, and happy Mother's Day to all. Well, Chad, I'll tell you what. I don't even know where your mind goes sometimes, but uh, that was very interesting. <laughs> just something different, something different. You know, I do watch a lot of yes, TV, and I'm was. just thinking and, about uh, that, so why not? And, and tying it into the Mother's Day twist, I, I guess, is all, is all good. I don't know what to There say. you go. There you go. Hey, I didn't oh. want to talk about the Kentucky Derby controversy. We could have talked about the royal baby being born and getting named Archie. We could have talked about Nick Foles' house being on the market in Haddonfield. But, no, I wanted to talk about TV sitcom moms. Well, there you go. There you go. And you know what? Because we own the show, we can talk about anything we want. Damn right. All right. Would you like one more Kate Beckinsale comment? Just Is she a mom? Yes, she does. She does have a kid, but she never really had a TV sitcom, so she does not count. But she does have a child who I think is like a teenager at this point. Okay, so we got her out there anyway. All right. Yes. With that, i got nothing more. So let's say we've reached <laughs> the top of our hour. Let's thank our special guests tonight, Crystal Rich and Lou Scheinfeld, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LakeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Room and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chet Chesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday. We'll be back on Wednesday, May 15th at 7 p.m. You can listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or you can find our podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, and Spotify. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans.